Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at these I Am statements of Jesus. And this morning we're going to be looking at the last one of these as we look together at who Jesus said he was. So this morning we're going to be looking at Jesus's statement, I am the true vine. So before we do this together and we look at John 15 together, let's pray. Father, we pray that you speak to us this morning through your spirit, that we will know more of who your son is. So Lord, speak to us as we look at this passage this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this week, I watched a documentary on Netflix. And the documentary is called The Social Dilemma. It's a really interesting documentary about how social media has transformed the way that we do life. And it looks at the effect that social media has had on so many people, particularly looking at the effect that it has had on the young people who have grown up surrounded by social media, those that know nothing other than a world of social media. And this great documentary that is well worth a watch, particularly if you have uh, any young people in your family, this great documentary looks at some of the problems of social media and some of the dangers that social media has for uh, us consumers, us users of social media. And one of the things it looks at is comparison. How social media has almost put a magnifying glass at the idea of comparison. And the way it does this is with all these different social media platforms, you can scroll through and see so many different people's lives, or at least the bits that they want you to see of their life. So you can watch uh, videos or look at photos of people, other people having a great time. And what this documentary was saying was that this has created a monster of comparison where we look at other people and think, why is our life not as good as theirs? And they look at other people and think, why am I not as beautiful as this photoshopped image of someone else? Comparison is something that has grown through social media, but it's something that I struggled with growing up. See, for me, comparison was all about my obsession with being the best. I had an obsession with being the best, particularly when it came to sport. See, sport, most sports that I played were team sports, but for me, My team winning wasn't enough. I needed to be the best player on the pitch. If my football team won and I wasn't the best team on the 
the best player on the pitch, I wasn't happy. If I was playing a doubles game of tennis and my pairing won, but I wasn't the best player, I wasn't happy. I had an obsession with being the best, which became a bit of a problem when it came to school. Because I would compare myself to my sisters, my sisters who were A-star pupils. They'd never seen a B in their life, whereas for me to get a B was a big celebration and a party would be on that evening. I used to be embarrassed when I'd walk into a class and I knew that my teacher had taught one of my sisters before. I used to think, please do not know that I am the brother of my sisters. Because I knew that when they saw my grades, they would think, what's happened with this one? I constantly compared myself with my family. And then, when I went to uh, Bible college, this comparison took a different kind of shift. Yes, there was a comparison about exam results and essay results, but at Bible college, the big comparison was this. Who is the best leader? Who is the best preacher? Who is the best theologian? And when it came down to it, what we were trying to work out, what, what everyone at Bible college were secretly trying to find out, was who is going to be the most successful Christian? Who is going to be the most successful church leader? Because surely that's what makes the most successful church leader, right? You know, the best leader, the best preacher, the best theologian. Well, the passage we're going to look at today looks at what Jesus says makes a successful Christian. So this passage can be found in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, then do open them up to John chapter 15 as we read verses 1 through to 10 together. John chapter 15, verses 1 through to 10. It says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. In the Old Testament, Israel, who were God's people, 
were often described as the vine. Psalm 80 verses 8 to 9 says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. God brought Israel out of Egypt and planted them into the promised land to flourish. So Israel were described throughout the Old Testament as a vine being planted in order to bear fruit. And this is the purpose of a vine. The purpose of a vine is to bear fruit. Without bearing fruit, a vine is useless as the woods could not even be used to make something. All it was good for was to be thrown into the fire. And throughout the Old Testament, we see Israel, the vine, turning their backs on God and stop bearing the fruit that they were planted in order that they would bear. In turn, the metaphor of Israel as the vine became a negative metaphor as Israel became the fruitless vine, which is basically calling it the useless people. In Ezekiel 15 verses 1 to 6, it says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, how is the wood of a vine different from that of a branch from any of the trees in the forest? Is wood ever taken from it to make anything useful? Do they make pegs from it to hang things on? And after, and after it is thrown on the fire as fuel and the fire burns both ends and chards the middle, is it then useful for anything? If it was not useful for anything when it was whole, how much less can it be made into something useful when the fire has burnt it and it is charred? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. As I have given the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest as fuel for the fire, so will I treat the people living in Jerusalem. This metaphor of Israel as the vine had become about judgment towards God's people who were un fruitful. But we read at the start of our passage this morning, at the start of John 15, in verse 1, Jesus says something that flips this metaphor completely. See, if the metaphor of the vine had connotations of judgment, Jesus declaring himself as the true vine is a metaphor of grace. He says, I am the true vine. This is nothing short of a gospel declaration. He's saying, you know that thing that you've been unable to do? I've got this. I'm doing what you've not been able to do and I'm being who you have not been able to be. You haven't been able to be fruitful, but hey, listen, I've got you. This imagery of failure, of however hard they tried, they failed, is redeemed as Jesus declares himself as the true vine. 
And we know that this falling short is not limited to Israel in the Old Testament. Though the meaning and the heaviness of this vine analogy may be less obvious for us today, we need Jesus to say to us, hey, I've got this, just as much as Israel did. Jesus makes the fruitfulness that Israel has been unable to walk in possible. The metaphor of judgment and of failure has become a metaphor of hope and grace. But what does it mean to us? What does this new metaphor mean to us? Well, in the passage, we're told a few things. Firstly, we can expect pruning. In Jesus' metaphor, he places God as God the Father as the vine dresser and us as the branches that are attached to the vine. And in verse 2, we read that every branch that bears fruit, if we bear fruit, the reward is pruning. It's not a well done and a celebration. It's not a party put on that evening. It seems a bit of an anticlimax, a bit unfair. If you bear fruit, then you get pruned. Ever since growing up, I've been in a variety of football teams. I've played football all my life. And there's one thing in common about training sessions. Training sessions at all these football teams that I've been in have had little competitions where the losers, if they lose, they have to go on a long run or they've got to do loads of press-ups or something that was going to be painful. And then I got to LST, to Bible college, and the football coach was different from one that I'd ever come across. In the first training session, He did what every coach does. He puts the teams against each other in the training sessions and says, well, one of you will have to do a, uh, um, will have to do the press-ups and the sit-ups and the long run. But when we finished, what he said is the winning team, hands up if you won. We put our hands up thinking we weren't going to have to do anything. And he said, all those who who have just won, get down and do 40 press-ups. I was like, what? I've just won. I've just worked my socks off to win this game. And my reward is that I have to work harder. What kind of reward is this? But in fact, it was a reward. And I didn't realise this until the coach said to me the next week. He said, do you know why I'm getting the winning team to do what you guys think is the punishment? And I was like, no, why? And he said, the winner gets the chance to grow stronger. The winner gets the chance to grow stronger. And likewise, pruning is a reward for those of us that bear fruit. The reality of pruning is that it helps us bear even more fruit. God removes the things that stop us from growing. The pruning of God in us 
is the reason that we can be more like Jesus as his spirit begins to work in us. Because we know that sometimes habits, attitudes and thoughts get in the way of us from growing and need to be dealt with in order for us to grow into the best that God has for us. So because God prunes us, we can produce more fruit. And what is this fruit that we will produce, that we can produce? Well, it says in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we allow God to prune us, we become more like Jesus, who is perfect love, perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect forbearance, perfect kindness, perfect goodness, perfect faithfulness, perfect gentleness, and perfect self-control. So pruning is a good thing. Just like the branches that need to be pruned in order to grow more fruit, the Father, who is the vine dresser, prunes us the branches that we will bear more fruit as we grow to be more like Jesus. So we know that God prunes those who bear fruit. But in this passage, Jesus distinguishes between two types of people or two types of branches in the metaphor. People that bear fruit and therefore get pruned and people who do not bear fruit and get thrown away. So how can we be a people that bear fruit? Well, it's all over verses four and five. Jesus says, remain in me. Why? Because no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I've brought a uh, branch this morning and I thought what we'd do is we'd just watch the branch and we would wait together until fruit comes off this branch. So we're just going to um, sit and wait for fruit to come off this branch. It's ridiculous for us to expect this branch to bear fruit when it no longer remains on the vine. In the same way, Jesus is saying to us that it is equally wrong for us to think that we can bear fruit without remaining in him. When we go through life, relying on our talents, relying on our intelligence, relying on our looks. We are like a branch trying to bear fruit on its own. The only result that we're going to get 
is we're going to get burnt out because just like Israel, we, feel, we fall short on our own. Back in Bible college, I was, I was saying to you that back in Bible college, we compared everyone to ourselves and to each other. It was who is the most successful Christian? Who is going to be the best church leader? And we looked at leadership. We looked at their strategy. uh, We looked at preaching. We looked at theology. But Jesus says that our biggest success comes not from our giftings, but it it comes as a result of clinging onto him. Because when we cling to Jesus, when we spend time with him, we will bear fruit. That is his promise. Because that is who he has created us to be. He's created us to be a people that bear fruit. And without bearing any fruit, we're not going to feel truly satisfied. I love the Apple Watch adverts. If you've seen any of the adverts from Apple Watch, they're amazing because they go through all the things that the Apple Watch can do. It can connect with your phone and do so many things. It can map your runs. There's almost endless things that these Apple Watches can do. But then it finishes with the tagline, Apple Watch, it tells time. At the end of the day, if we went and ordered an Apple Watch but it didn't tell time, the use of it as your watch would be pointless. In the same way, we can be successful in so many areas of our life, in our work life, in our family, in our hobbies. But if you're not doing what you were created to do, which is being fruitful, then you're not going to feel truly satisfied for a sustained period of time. You may have a moment where you feel like you're so close to being truly satisfied, that one promotion away or that one child to sort out uh, or that one uh, a little bit more money and then you can get that dream house and then if you ever get it then you just hope that nothing else in the world moves. I'm satisfied right now, can nothing move? But then things move. The world doesn't stay still. Things happen and you lose that feeling of being satisfied. Satisfaction that comes through Jesus comes when we're living in his plan for us to bear fruit. When you're being fruitful, when you're being pruned and transformed into being more like him then there's a joy that comes because we are living out God's purpose for us. So this metaphor is a metaphor of Jesus calling us to cling to him. And he says, if you cling to me, you will be fruitful and you will be transformed. But don't miss the gospel message in this passage. The essence of the gospel message and the essence of this passage is the exact same. Jesus has taken our place. Abide in him. 
God's people in the Old Testament, just like us, were unable to walk in God's purpose for them on their own. But Jesus says, I've got this. Let me take your place. And as a result, all we need to do is cling to him and the father will prune us to be more like his son. So if it's all about clinging to Jesus, remaining in him and abiding in him, then how can we do that? How do we cling to Jesus? How do we abide in Jesus? Well, I think it's a choice that takes discipline. I've got to confess something this morning. I loved the Unhurry series. That isn't my confession, by the way. I loved the Unhurry series that we did a couple of months back. And I was so pumped to slow down and spend time with God, to spend real time in his presence, waiting on him. And I'd set a routine that I'd started out and I was really excited about this new routine, this new way of life of slowing down and spending more time with God. And then lockdown happened. And I'm not going to use lockdown as an excuse because probably lockdown was the best possible time for me to be able to put this into practice, this slowing down and spending more time with God. I have more time at home than I had ever had. But even in this moment, as life happened, I got out of this routine. I lost my discipline and I stopped spending that precious time in God's presence. If we want to abide in Jesus, by nature of the term, we have to spend time with Jesus. And for some of us, as we hear that, what is such an obvious statement, something that we know already, it sets off a nerve. Because we can rely so much on ourselves, even for our faith, that we don't make time to be in God's presence, to abide in the vine. And I want to challenge us all this morning to have a time of self-reflection, wherever you are on your faith journey, and ask yourself, who is it or what is it that you rely on? Maybe it's you rely on your gifts and your talents, or maybe you rely on leaders like Simon and Keeley or your favourite worship set. Jesus calls us to abide in him and to cling on to him. It's easy to expect our spiritual growth to come just from a Sunday morning or just from uh, Simon and Keeley or even from our own intelligence. But Jesus is saying this morning, Do you want to grow? Do you want to bear fruit? Well, spend time with me. Cling on to me. Abide in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your love that you would send your son to take our place. And Lord, we know, we, we know that we, 
we don't quite reach it on our own, that we don't quite make it on our own, that that we slip up, that we make mistakes, that we're unable to walk in the fruit that you have planted us to walk in. But Lord, thank you that Jesus says to us this morning, I've got this. Lord, help us to cling on to you in all times in life when we're feeling like we can cling on to our own intelligence and talents. Let us cling on to you. Or when we're feeling rubbish about ourselves, let us cling on to you. In all situations that we go through in our life, help us to abide in you. That you will prune us to be more like Jesus. So we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>